Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. As you could guess, the title of my message today is I Am a Missionary. Why don't we practice that one more time? Let's get that in our heart. Everybody say it real loud. I am a missionary. I am a missionary. We've got to to get that in our hearts. I am a missionary. Romans chapter 10 verse 12. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Or you could say there is no difference between an American, a Mongolian, a Russian, a Venezuelan, a Somalian, South African, a Canadian. There is no difference because the same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. Thank God He plays no favorites to any culture or ethnic or race. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What what promise could be any greater than that, my friends? That when you called upon the name of Jesus wherever you were and you knelt either as a child or as a young person or as an adult and you said, Jesus, I need you. I'm, my, my life is going nowhere without you. I have run into a dead end and you called on the name of Jesus. Heaven heard and he answered and he came and he touched your life and he forgave your sin. Thank God everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved, including me and you. But how can they call on the one they have not believed? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How more relevant than have this young man here today talking about the unreached people of of Mongolia, that part of the world? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Let's pray. Father, take your word this morning. Challenge us, Lord. Challenge me. Bring every person in this church to a place or back to a place where they see the call of God on their life. In whatever capacity you may call, let us return, Lord, to a place of reaching the lost. Because, Lord, I know that our time is short. Time is running out, Lord, on our friends, on our family. Lord, help us to bring that good news to them. In Jesus' name. Does today really even matter? This Sunday? If we were to have canceled this service today, would it have made a difference? Would it even matter if this church right here existed? 
or any church like us, for that matter, that preaches the gospel, the whole gospel, and doesn't hold back? Would it really matter if you even came today, or if Grayson showed up, or if I even stood up here to deliver the Word of God? Does it really even matter? Let me ask you a question. How many of you got saved from watching TV? Raise your hand. We got one? Okay. Anybody else? You did? What were you watching? Superhero? <laughs> How many of you got saved by listening to the radio? Anybody? How many of you got saved uh, when a guest evangelist or at a crusade uh, gave a call for salvation? Anybody? Anybody? You got saved at a crusade? Something like that. Perry? How many of you ever got saved at a church business meeting? Anybody? Come on, raise your hand. Raise your hand. My God, there's been more people backslide over those things. Church camp. Church camp. Well, there's, that's spotty, but let me ask this question. How many of you got saved at a local church on a regular Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, and the pastor of that church preached a simple message that you probably could not tell you, tell me what the text was. You probably couldn't give me the three points that he made or the five, however many he made. But you remember him making a call for someone who did not know Christ and you responded to that call, and whether you came to an altar or a step, or you checked a card, or whatever it was, it stuck. And you prayed a prayer that said, Lord, forgive me of my sin, cleanse my life, put me on the right track, save me, Lord Jesus. How many of you got saved in just a regular old service just like that? Look around you right now. Look around. Look around. Look at all these people. And so once again, I ask the question, does today even matter? Does this little church even matter if it exists in this city of so many people? Does it matter what we do on Sunday morning? Does it matter that Grayson is going to a country that's so big and he's going to have to chase them people around in their tents? Does it matter? Of course, my friends, it matters. I'm telling you why it matters. Because God still calls people to Himself. God still calls the lost. God still calls people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. God's still calling people to bear fruit. And friends, God's still calling you and I to be missionaries in the farthest reaches of this world. It matters what we do every week. It matters what Pastor Chris is doing over there with the kids this morning and Liz with the little preschoolers and the two ladies that are sitting back here behind the platform with these babies. It matters what, what Pastor Heather does with these young people on Wednesday, whether five show up or 15 or 25 show up. It matters because you never know who's going to walk in and feel the tug of the Holy Spirit on their heart and they're going to give their heart to the Lord and they might be that child that becomes a little Grace and Elam that says, God, I'll go to the the farthest parts of this world to deliver this gospel that has changed me since I was just a kid. It matters, my friends, what we do. Don't discount the day of small beginnings. 
Don't discount things that the world would write off and say it doesn't matter. You're insignificant. There is nothing insignificant when it comes to the work of God. God can take the most innocuous, insignificant, insufficient person or individual or church and He can use that church for His glory. No one in this room could tell me the man that was preaching the message that whereby that young Billy Graham got saved. You probably don't even know the town or the church name, but you do know Billy Graham and God used that small service, that innocuous, regular, ordinary Sunday night service where one of the greatest evangelists of all time shared the gospel with 20 plus million people. Because it matters. That's why I say, I'm a missionary. You're a missionary. It matters. There's people at your job site. There's people in your classrooms. There's people that you pass every day at Walmart and at Albertsons and at HEB or wherever you grocery shop that need to hear the message of Jesus. This church matters because we send all of our missionaries out all over the world to go places where we cannot go or we have not been called to go, but we are a part of that. This church matters. Let me tell you, the most important part of any missions apparatus or organization is the local church. Thank God for missionaries. But unless he has local churches standing behind them, like what we find in Acts chapter 11, where the church at Antioch sent out Barnabas and they sent out Paul. They said, you guys go. We can't all go, but we're going to send you. And they begin to support them, not just financially, but with prayer support. They, they laid their hands on them. And what's wonderful about the church in Antioch in Acts 11 is that that was where the first Christians were called. Who are these people that's sending this message of Jesus Christ? These are the people who are like Christ. That's the church of Antioch. I hope that's what we are. My life and my wife, we've had the privilege to go in many different places. We've had the privilege of serving as missionaries. We know what it's like. I know what it's like to stand up in front of a church and be given a 10-minute window to express everything that God has told you and called you about in a 10 minutes to, for over the last 20 years that God's been dealing with your life. I'll never forget the first time I set foot on Russian soil and I stepped off the plane. That call that God had put upon my life, I suddenly found, and you're going to feel this as well. There is a, there is a, there is a touch that God, when, you're, when your foot hits that soil, as it did mine, the power of God filled my life. I wasn't scared of anything. been privileged to see a lot of places around the world and to share the gospel. And God is still calling people to be missionaries. I just want to share a few moments, tell a few stories with you. You see, God's calling will allow you to see the world as He sees the world. I have a missionary friend of mine told me about a story of, a, of what's going on in Odisha, India. It's a province in India. It's in the eastern part of India. It's the, the geographic size of about the state of Oklahoma, but it has within its borders in that state 46 million people. I mean, the state of Oklahoma right now has 4 million. 
This thing is 10 times, there's 10 times more people that live in the same area in Odisha, India. It's one of the poorest parts of the world. It's been featured in National Geographic. And he began to tell me a story about what, what about this young man. He was in a, he was at a, at one of our Bible schools in India. And God had called him to fast for 40 days. So he began to fast and say, God, what is it you want to do with my life? At the end of that 40-day fast, God called him to go to some unreached people who lived up into the, into the forests of that area. Now, there's Bengal tigers in India, especially in the forest. So let me tell you something. God better call you because you don't be running around the forest with Bengal tigers. This young man, this Bible school graduate, filled with God after 40 days of prayer, fasting, didn't have money, didn't have anybody to send him. So he borrowed a bicycle. And he rode from where he lived there in India for five days and rode into the deep, darkest parts of eastern India. As he rode along, the road was tough, it was challenging, and he asked himself, he said, I don't know if this is, if this is the right way, but I know that it's in this direction. And he said, God, I hope you're leading me. He finally comes to the end of the road, and he pulls those little bicycle over in that village. And as he stops his bicycle, people had noticed that he had pulled in. People begin to, to, to walk toward him. As they approached him, they asked this young man, they said, Can you tell us about a God who can give us peace? This young man was shocked. He was like, I've never been here before. You don't know me. He said, why would you ask me? He said, the people of this village begin to tell him, one of our chieftains in the village a couple years ago was outside looking up into the stars and he had a vision. He said, in the vision, someone told him that in the days to come, there would be a young man who would ride a bicycle into this village that would tell us about a God who brings peace and hope and comfort and love. And they said, we know, we have been waiting for you. You are the one that God has sent to tell us about this one who loves us. Immediately, two of those community leaders in that village gave their heart to Jesus. And one of them received the call to preach. And today, he has started over 140 churches in that unreached region. All because of a young man on a bicycle who heard the call of God and said, I will go. I am a missionary. Hallelujah. Grayson, get you a bicycle. You see, we need to see what's really important, friends. We've got to get past these first world problems and see the world as God sees it. We've got to get past this American idea where if the air conditioners in the church house aren't working exactly right or if the temperature is a little too warm or too cold, it causes us to to make some complaints or, or talk to the pastor. 
We need to realize that most of the Christians around the world don't even have a building to worship God in. But they gather together every week and they, they approach the Lord in prayer. And for hours they will, they will stand and they will pray and ask God to give them strength because they take the words of Jesus to heart that says, My house will be called a house of prayer, not a place of entertainment. Can I preach a little? I preached last week. I might as well just try to follow up with part two. Most people around the world don't have fancy lights and lasers, but let me tell you what they do have. They have the light of God burning in their heart, shining it in dark places. We've got to get past all this first world stuff that we need and start looking at the world the way God sees it. Too many of us in America that try to work God into our schedule. And we look for a place that we can go and worship. We're at an hour and 15 minutes. Bless God, they're going to let us out whether God moves or not. It's not what we're here for. Get us in and out. Let us check our box and be gone. God, you've got an hour and 15 minutes to get done what you need to get done. My friends... We need to start coming together to meet with God on Sundays, to meet with Him on Wednesdays, and whenever we come to begin to meet with Him, not on our terms, but upon God's terms. And we stay and we wait until the presence of the Holy Spirit moves among us and begins to change our minds and change our attitudes and change our hearts. We've got to get past all this what we think the world needs to be. We've got to see the world as God sees it. He sees a lost and dying world where people need to hear the message of Jesus and it's only going to happen because the feet of those who bring the gospel and the good news are sent and they go and they serve and they give. It's up to us to answer that call. That young Indian boy, that young Indian man, he became a part of something that was much bigger than he, than he could have imagined. Let me tell you something. Just like the Lord had prepared that village to receive the gospel message, He's preparing people in your path. You don't have to ride a bicycle to them. You might drive to work every day, but God is working on their heart, and all He needs is for you to say, God, I'm available, I'm willing, Lord, I'll do whatever it takes, I'll pray for them, Lord, I will begin to reach my world because I am a missionary. Are you hearing me? We've got to get back to the basics of the gospel. We've got to see what God wants us to see. We've got to be about the business. I tell you, friends, our time is short on this earth. I'm not talking just your individual life. I mean the earth itself. This, time, this thing, the countdown, man, it's in the final stages. If you don't see it, you're as blind as a bat. And if you think that I'm just making this up, you're as crazy as a run-over dog. You don't know what's going on. It's one of my little country sayings. His calling will allow you to see the world as He sees it. Oh, God, help us to see the lost. 
Don't let us sleep at night until we can see the lost, oh God. Our neighbors, don't let us see them as just good neighbors. God, let them see us, Lord. Let, the, let us see them as lost. God, let us see you. Let us answer the call. His calling will require the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll just tell you that. I am not ashamed to say that our church is a spirit-filled church. We are not a spirit-filled church in name only. There's a lot of groups of, of people that are in name only. You just put what? Fill in the blank. Blank in name only. I am blank in name only. As far as practice or pragmatism, no. I'll tell you one thing that I heard recently challenging to me was when a young person said, you know what, I used to attend a church in your fellowship. But until I came to your church, I had never heard anybody pray in the Spirit like that. What a terrible, terrible testimony. May God help us at Journey Fellowship never to turn away from the fact that we are a Spirit-filled church. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to use us and to work through us to give us boldness. Let me tell you something. If you are a Spirit-filled believer, don't you allow your prayer life to get old and dusty and set it up on the shelf where you allow the Holy Spirit to just become a, a second-tier a second citizen in your life. Allow the Holy Spirit to use you and to pray through you on a daily basis. Paul said i'd be speaking tongues more than you all and it's not just about that friends it's about god having that direct line of communication saying you know what i'm going to talk on the red line today i'm going to pick up the red i'm going straight through everything straight to heaven holy spirit teaches us to pray in the direct perfect will of god calling of god requires the power of the holy spirit and when god speaks to us what we usually do is give excuses what did Abraham say? Oh, I'm just too old. And Jeremiah, I'm too young. Moses, I have a baby, I, have a, I can't talk. Peter, James, John, and Andrew were just old redneck fishermen. Matthew, nobody likes me. I'm so glad that the Lord didn't just leave us alone with the task of spreading the gospel because we all have our excuses and we all have our things and our hang-up and snags. But when Zerubbabel, back in the book of Nehemiah, was called to go rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, he got a little bit discouraged. And if you read that in the book of Nehemiah, you can see and feel this heart of this man who was given a call to do something very important, but nobody was helping. People were laughing at him. People were making fun of him. And the Lord spoke to him. And the prophet Zechariah describes it in, in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. He said, And the word of the Lord came to Zerubbabel, this man who was on the front line trying to accomplish the work of God, who was down and said, You know what? I don't know if I can get this done. And the word of the Lord came to Zerubbabel, not by might, Zerubbabel. It's not by how much you can lift or how many people you can gather around. It's not by power, Zerubbabel. It's not going to be how many machines you can invent to move those stones. It's by my spirit, Zerubbabel, that you're going to be 
able to build the walls. Friends, that message is still the same for the church today. God, how are we going to reach these cities or these, these people, groups in, in, in Central Asia that need to hear the message of Jesus Christ? How are we going to reach the places in India that are so densely populated that one missionary is, is like a drop in the bucket? It's not by might or it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. The Holy Spirit helps us. I've got another friend who was a missionary for years in Vietnam. Let me tell you something. There's a revival that was going on in that country for years. It was under the noses of a lot of people. We didn't realize and the only thing that we could think about when we say Vietnam is we think about a war. But he said, Scott, man, God is moving in Vietnam and in Southeast Asia. He said, God's moving in incredible ways. And he told me about the story of a young lady, a young woman. He said, man, she is the most dynamic thing I have ever seen. She has an anointing of the Holy Spirit upon her like I have not seen in anybody else. He said, she is 16 years old. And she pastors a church of 16,000 people who meet all across the city in Ho Chi Minh. 16 years old. I said, come on, man. I said, how is that even possible? You're talking about a 16-year-old girl. He said, let me tell you how that's possible. He said, whenever she's invited to come and speak at some of these little house churches and wherever they meet all over the city, when she steps up to the center of the room and begins to speak, the anointing of God is so heavy upon her life. People just start crying. They just start bawling. He said, the power of God just because before she even says a word, the anointing of the Holy Spirit follows her and people just begin to weep and he said before she can finish her her time of speaking just like it was when peter spoke to cornelia's house they'll say what do we need to do to be saved and god saves them right there in the middle of her little message and fills them with the holy spirit he said i've seen it with my own eyes he said it is amazing to see she is an anointed young lady And it affects everything around her. The calling of God, let me tell you, Spirit-filled church, the calling to be a missionary requires the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Why would the Lord have told His disciples, don't go anywhere, wait until you have been endued with power from on high. Wait on the power of the Holy Spirit to come and use you. Let me tell you something. You say, well, man, Pastor, that's one of those crazy missionary stories that couldn't happen to me. It couldn't happen to anybody in America. You just watch. You make yourself available and you turn yourself and you begin to seek the Lord. I will tell you, friend, God will use empty and open vessels that will say, Lord, whatever it takes, I'll do it. He'll anoint you. Part of it has to do with the nation that she serves in. You see, in, in Vietnam, it requires a high level of Christian, a high level of commitment. I'm afraid that in our nation, we can get by with a very low level of Christian commitment. 
And instead of people saying, you know what, how high can I go with God? They say, what is the minimum requirement for me to serve the Lord? Come on, tell your neighbor, say, oh, he's coming at us now. High level of command. Let me, let me give you an example. In Vietnam, before you're even recognized as an ordained pastor, you have to bring 50 people that you have personally led to Jesus with, with you to verify that you were the one who shared Christ with them, and then they will give you ordination to serve as a pastor. 50 people by yourself. That's just, the, that's just the beginning. In order for people in that country to recognize you as a pastor, to, to, to honor you as a pastor, you have to have been thrown and arrested and thrown in jail at least one time for sharing the gospel. I'm afraid there's a lot of pastors in America that might find themselves in jail, but it probably wouldn't be because they were preaching the gospel. Come on, I'm telling the truth. It's a high level of commitment when you go to those places. Because they're serious about the gospel. The Holy Spirit pours upon him their, them their anointing. Pours upon them His power. This young lady that I was telling you about, this little 16-year-old girl, she got arrested, of course. And when she stood before the judge, the judge asked her, Why are you here? She said, because I've been preaching about Jesus Christ. He said, really? Well, why don't you tell me about him? In the middle of that courtroom in Vietnam, this young 16-year-old girl, then I think she was 18 years old, she stands up in the middle of the courtroom, begins to share the gospel with everybody in that room, including the bailiffs, including all the officers, including the judge, knowing that what she was saying could probably find more years of, of incarceration. Without Without even hesitating, she stands and declares the gospel of Jesus Christ. He saves, he heals, he delivers. The judge, in the middle of her sharing of the gospel, slammed his gavel down and said, Stop! Enough! He cleared the courtroom and he said, I want to see you in my chambers at 9 a.m. in the morning. That next morning, she walked into the chambers of that judge all by herself. She didn't have a gang of people. She didn't have a lawyer. Mom and dad, grandma was not with her. She was by herself. She walked into the chambers of that judge, and he said, I want you to finish telling your story. She told the rest of the story, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit came upon her, and just like in standing in those small group meetings, the power of God came upon that judge. And he said, what do I need to do to know about this Jesus? And he gave his heart to Jesus. And not just that, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit in his chambers right there that day. That's just the part of the story. My friend told me, he said, man... He said after he got saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit, he had the court that he had to set. He walked out of his chambers. He got up onto his court in his judge's bench. He slammed the gavel down and he said, I just want to say something extraordinary has just happened in my chambers. 
And for the next half hour, he began to explain the peace and the love and the joy that he felt in his life that he had never felt before. And as court ended that day, 80 people came up to him and said, we want to know who this Jesus is. All because this young girl filled with the power of the Holy Spirit was equipped to walk into a judge's chamber. I can only imagine that that verse that says when you walk before the magistrates and the princes and the kings, don't be afraid of what you're going to say. For I will give you the words to speak. I will be the testimony that you're looking for. I'll be the story that you need to catch them. I'll be the message if you'll be the messenger. Hallelujah. He told me, he said, there's two ladies in his church that were taken to jail. <laughs> My goodness. If I showed up next week and half of y'all were here, somebody said, Pastor, they're all in jail. I'd say, praise God. Hope they're there for the right reasons. If you're not, say, dear God. Two ladies in their church were taken to jail for sharing the gospel. Their charges were these. Sedition against the government. They put them in that jail cell. And there was a young 25-year-old jailer that walked in, told these two little ladies, said, I need you to sign this paper. They looked at the paper. The paper said, your charges are sedition against the government. These two ladies looked at that little jailer, and, he, and she said, look, we don't hate the government. All we were doing is telling how good Jesus was. He said, so you won't sign it? No, we're not going to sign that. He said, well, I, I really like you ladies. I, I'd like for you to sign this because it's just going to get worse from here. She said, we're not going to sign it. He goes back. He comes back the next day, and he says, look, I really like y'all. You're sweet folks, sweet people. But they've told me that I have to come down here and beat you until you sign this paper. He said, now I like you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start beating this bench that you're sitting on. And as you do, as I do, would you just start screaming and yelling so they'll think that I'm actually beating you up? And then we can maybe figure out what we can do with this paper. They said, okay, sure. This young jailer starts wailing on that bench with a stick. He just starts wearing that bench out. And as he starts hitting on that bench, these two ladies begin to sing worship songs unto the Lord. They start singing under the Lord, talking about the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God all my life. You have been whack, whack. Oh, man, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. After a few minutes, this young jailer quit. He was tired, and he started crying. He said, look, I don't know what you're doing or what you're singing about, but you're going to have to stop because I need to know what this song means in my own life. I need to hear about this Jesus. And right there in the cell of that two, those two little, little Vietnamese women, they led their 25-year-old jailer to Jesus Christ. Don't tell me that when you get in a bad spot that God has lost plan and He's lost purpose. You might just find yourself in a terrible position in life for the reason to reach somebody that's right there next to you that doesn't know the answer to how you're going to get out. 
God uses every story and every problem and every obstacle and every mountain and every valley of your life, child of God, as a way to reach other people for His glory. That little jailer left that place. Two weeks, these two little Vietnamese women sit in that jail cell. The jailer comes back. He's got another piece of paper and he says, look, I've got a piece of paper that I want you to sign. He sets it down in front of them. And under the description of the charges filed against them, the paper says this, these women love God more than normal. Are you willing to sign that? They signed it and they were released. These women love God more than normal. Wouldn't it be wonderful if that every week when we left this church, people across the street or at the restaurant you go to or at the job you show up to on Monday morning or the school class that you in your first block or whatever, if people looked at you and they say, you know what, he loves God more than normal. She just loves God more than normal. Wouldn't that be an incredible testimony to the world around us? Oh, they just love God more than normal. Great, He just loves God more than normal. That's why he's going where he's going. He just loves God more than normal. I would pray that that would be prayed and said about me. I asked Shannon one time, I said, Hey, will you, uh, will you, you get married again after I die? Shannon said, sure, I'm going to need somebody to go to the funeral with. (laughs) I said, I love you too, honey. Listen, I pray that someday, as I lay horizontal in a church, Somebody will stand over me and say, here's a man who loved God more than normal. Who heard the call to go and wherever that took him and his family, he went because he loved God more than normal. Oh, friends, may that be your epithet that may that be on your tombstone here is a man here is a woman who loved god more than normal they heard the call and the holy spirit brought the message they were just the messenger let me close with this his calling is bigger than we are been reading a lot about missions this month. I read about an art I read an article about the country of Nepal. Ten or twenty years ago in Nepal, if you were converted from Hinduism to Christianity, they'd just go into your house, drag you out, and kill you in the street. You say, Does that really happen? Oh, absolutely, friends. It happens all the time. Now they just put you in prison. But years ago, about 30 years ago, a man named James Harvey was called to go to that country. James was not a great speaker. He wasn't a big fundraiser. 
I mean, you have missionaries come and they say, hey, would you support us? Would you send us forth? Grayson, you did a great job. I'll tell you, some, some missionaries, they're not great speakers. And they're not. It's not their gifting. They've got a heart to reach people. And they can have a conversation in a one-on-one place, in a one-on-one country. Because I'm not a one-on-one person, to be honest. James felt the call to go to Kathmandu, but he had problems getting his visa. That's what I read. Couldn't get a visa because he, wanted to, he had a religious visa. There's all types of visas. He wanted a religious visa so that he could work and he could share the gospel and stuff like that. They would never give it to him. So what did James do? He just quit and went home. No, that's not what he did. He'd heard the call. So what does he do? He says, you know what? I'm not going to get a business visa. I'm going to go and I'm going to start an orphanage with a school in it and I'm going to tell kids about Jesus. He starts this orphanage in, in Kathmandu in Nepal. Because he was the way he was and the skin color that he had, he got robbed about every week. So he hired a bodyguard. This bodyguard had two sons, and his sons were uneducated. And so he brought them to the orphanage to, to just learn. They weren't orphans, but he taught them to learn. And in the course of time, these young boys, as they learned English and they learned regular arithmetic and whatever, they gave their heart to Jesus, these young boys. This bodyguard dad, recognizing that because he, had given, he was a believer, he changed their names, their legal names, to Benjamin and Joseph. The boys grew up because of their education, because of them knowing about English. They got jobs in the government. They worked for several years in the government. Joseph, after several years of working in the government for Nepal, he decided he was going to go to some of the unreached areas of Nepal and share the gospel. Of course, he got arrested. He was arrested. He was taken to a magistrate judge in that area, and as he walked into the courtroom, he looked at the judge, the judge looked at him, and they recognized each other because Joseph had served in the government, and they knew each other. They knew their families. And he said, what is it that's charged that's brought against you? And Joseph said, because I've preached about Jesus. Oh, okay. The judge says, well, where's the people that accused you? He said, well, they're not here today. He said, case dismissed. You're free to go. Today, Joseph oversees 1,200 churches in Nepal because of a man named Harvey, James Harvey, that wasn't a good speaker. He wasn't a great fundraiser. But because he said, if they won't let me pastor a church, I'm just going to build an orphanage and tell kids about Jesus. James Harvey planted a generational seed in the ground. He passed away, but the seed is still growing. It's still growing by faith. What we have to realize is that the fact is there are people who are today who are lost. It's a fact that God wants all to be saved, as Peter tells us. 
It's a fact that only people who are saved are those who come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's also a fact that we have a mandate as a church. But the question is, what are we going to do about it? Regina, would you come? I close with this. Back about 30 years ago, when I was beginning ministry, a guy named Stephen Curtis Chapman, some of you have heard his music, he came out with a song called For the Sake of the Call. It was impactful for me because it was about the time when I was launching into ministry and I was like, you know what, this is, this is kind of scary. It's overwhelming for sure. The words go like this. It says, nobody stood and applauded them so they knew from the start this road would not leave, lead to fame. All they really knew for sure was that Jesus had called to them. He said, come follow me. And they came. With reckless abandon, they came. Empty nets lying there by the water's edge told a story that few could believe and none could explain. How some crazy fishermen agreed to go where Jesus led with no thought of what they would gain. For Jesus had called them by name and they answered. And this was their answer. We will abandon it all for the sake of the call. No other reason at all but for the sake of the call. Wholly devoted to live and to die for the sake. Thanks for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.